This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Candlemas is coming up. It's February 2nd. This is one of the most ancient feasts in the history of the church, perhaps even brought to us from the apostles themselves. And yet it's not celebrated today. If you ever wanted to know when you should take down your Christmas decorations, this show's for you. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Ten secrets here, Joe. Ten secrets about the history of this ancient Christian feast. Candlemas. Candle mass. Candlemas. February 2nd. Fixed date. In all times and all places. These are the ten things that everybody should know about Candlemas. It's a beautiful, beautiful feast. It's very important, and it's a sad thing that it's lost its significance and importance. Not not in actuality, but in people's minds. Yeah, it's just one other thing that uh, we are now missing in uh, in the modern world inside the Catholic faith. Yep. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click the bell so that you get notifi- notified of these new shows, and please consider p- supporting us on Patreon. Um, we are we already have several. Um, supporters on there already and uh, they're being very very generous thank you so much for your help and assistance please consider supporting us there okay 10 secrets of the ancient christian feast of candlemas okay the first one is number one this marks the official end of christmas tide christmas tide now i would have thought long ago in eons past before i was even catholic let's say (laughs) That Christmas ends on, like, I don't know, New Year's. People take down their lights on New Year's. Maybe you go to the 12 Days of Christmas. I had heard of the 12 Days of Christmas. Mm -hmm. We did a show about the song, 12 Days of Christmas. So that brings you to Epiphany. But this is actually the true end of Christmastide. Christmastide has two components to it. The first is actual Christmas, 12 Days of Christmas. The second are the Days of Epiphany. And when you add those two sets of days together, it's 40 days. Correct. 40 days is obviously a very significant uh, number in the Catholic faith and in previous times, the Jewish faith, right? I mean, we're talking about 40 days of Noah. We're talking about 40 days of Christ in the desert. We're talking 40, 40 days that the Israelites were in the desert. I mean, there's 40, 40, 40, 40, 40 all over the place. 40 is a very significant period of time. It is. Um, you can sing Christmas carols until February 2nd, which is great. That's a great benefit because we've already told you in our Make Advent Great Again show, and we alluded to it in the 12 Days of Christmas show, that we cannot be singing Christmas carols or decorating our homes prior to Christmas. So it doesn't matter what's happening at JCPenney or at Kohl's. You, as a Catholic, cannot be participating in Christmas events until Christmas. But the good news is 
We have 40 days to celebrate Christmas. I thought you were going to say that the good news is that everything on sale that we want for these 40 days... (laughs) 30 that days is, of Christmas that is, is on sale. We get it on the cheap. That is good news, actually. <laughs> that is a, that, there's a benefit. Thank you, Commercial America. All right, for America being totally off calendar. Okay, secret number two. This is a 40-day period after Christmas, and this dates back to an ancient Jewish custom of purification. Purification, yes. So after a woman gives birth, if she gives birth to a boy, she is considered ritually unclean. For 40 days. She cannot approach the tabernacle. She approach, approach the tabernacle. She cannot approach the temple, etc. If she, it, it, It's an interesting point that if she does have a girl, then she's consider, considered ritually uh, impure for 60 days. Oh, wow. There's a penalty there. <laughs> a penalty? Boy, I have three girls. I would have been penalized. Or my wife would have been. 20-yard uh, you know. penalty. Yeah, yeah. Personal foul. <laughs> One day when I grew up, I'm going to be like you, Mike. I'm not going to have as many fouls on my record. Now, um, I love my little girls, just so we're all very clear. Oh, we love boys and girls. Okay, so uh, you're saying that Our Lady then would have observed this, and she did. So for 40 days, she would not have presented herself into the temple. But on the 40-day mark, she certainly would have, because that was the Jewish custom, to present yourself and your baby in the temple Mm -hmm. and to give your baby to God. Especially if it's your firstborn son. Correct. And as we mentioned in the 12 days of Christmas, this is the significance of the second day of Christmas, the two turtle doves that Our Lady and St. Joseph offered in the temple uh, on the Feast of the Purification. Yes, because if you were rich, you would offer a lamb. Sure. And if you were poor, you would offer two doves. Mm Mm-hmm. Correct. And then there's plenty in between, but neither here nor there. (laughs) Okay. Wow. (laughs) Secret number three. Secret number three about Candlemas. Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, did not actually need to go through this 40-day period of purification because she is most pure, most holy, Virgin Queen. This is probably the most significant aspect of why Candlemas is so important. It's going to tie together with an, with another one a little bit further down the line. Yeah. But pair, these two particular points are paired together in that Our Lady shows her humility in participating in this ritual. This is characteristic of Our Lady. She is living before the time of the consummation of the crucifixion which consummates the Old Testament, right? Or the, the Old Covenant, right? This, this is the fulfillment of it. But what, she is still yet Jewish at this point in time. She has these obligations according to the Mosaic Law. And though she is the sole exception of people that are not also God, she undergoes this same purification to honor this law. Imagine the image of Our Lady, the Ark of the New Covenant, holding within her hands the true King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the true tabernacle walking into the old tabernacle, the convergence of those two things, the symbolism of that. Mm -hmm. That symbol has unfortunately been lost by those Catholics who are not aware of this feast or who have not celebrated it before. Okay, number four, the fourth secret of Candlemas, February 2nd, huge feast day, number four, the prophecy of Simeon. 
so this the the prophecy of Simeon is really the symbolic beginning of the passion of Our Lady, as it were, mm-hmm. right? So our, our, we, we talk often a lot about the passion of our Lord, which he does have a, a, a passion in one sense throughout his entire life. But for Our Lady, this is where the pain begins for yeah. her. Yeah. This, this, is, this shows the, that Christ and Our Lady together and Our Lady supporting and serving her son together bring about the new covenant. So inspired by the Holy Ghost, for those who are not aware of the prophecy of Simeon, he was told or became aware because the Holy Ghost told him that his eyes would not sleep in death until they had rested upon the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And so Simeon knew that he would see the Messiah. Now, he probably made a habit, if I were him, of hanging out at the temple and seeing who's going in and out on mm. and who's being which newborn babies are being presented in the temple. It is a pious uh tradition that we know that as the Blessed Virgin Mary approached the steps of the temple, of which there were many, he, Simeon, left his house in haste. He was inspired by the Holy Ghost to leave, rush. And you can just imagine him. I mean, look. It's not like one or two babies are being presented in the temple. This is like a regular liturgical event. Mm-hmm. So, and he's wading through the crowds. He's looking at the at the infant childs, and when his eyes fall upon our Lord Jesus Christ, he can't help himself. He breaks the silence of the temple, and he lets out the following canticle. Now, now, O Lord, thou dost dismiss thy servant in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared, a light that is to enlighten the Gentiles and give glory to the people Israel. Inspired words. This, and and he he talks beyond this, of course, and in speaking with Our Lady, you have the, the famous quote of, uh, th- thy heart a sword shall pierce, right? Mm-hmm. This is also the beginning of, like I was referencing, the Passion of Our Lady. The first sword that pierced her heart was this prophecy that he gave because Christ didn't come down for fun and games. Christ came down on earth to die. Yes. Not only did he stop, or, or, or not, not only did he uh, become man, bring himself, low, lower himself to that, uh, that that being of mankind of flesh and blood, but also he came for the purpose to die. And this is what Simeon is looking for, is awaiting. Yeah, wow. And he uh, fulfilled it. The fifth secret, Joe, the fifth secret of the Candlemas feast, February 2nd, is that it's ancient. It's truly ancient. And perhaps mm-hmm. given to us by the apostles. Now, not all the church fathers and doctors agree on the origin of Candlemas. Some of them don't think that it came from the apostles, but many of them do. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty glorious list of names of people who do hold that opinion. It, it, it is interesting, right? Because when we talk about all these various traditions, and this is something that uh, a lot of people call out when they're trying to criticize the Catholic faith, but there is this interesting um period of time right where you where the gospels end the acts are written 
the Apocalypse, I think, is the last last book to be written. Um, and then you have this period where the documentation is very light. Yeah. And then it picks up again in like the fourth, fourth-ish century. Fourth-ish century. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Why? Anyways. It's the fourth-ish. The fourth-ish. <laughs> fourth-ish. Yeah, fourth-ish. Anyways. The, the the point is is that there are, there are once the fourth century comes we get all these fathers and doctors of the church that start talking uh, we have records of them talking about um, these various feasts and apostolic traditions and it, 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 I, I I always question people who are quick to say wow you know that's not from the apostles it wasn't in scripture well scripture says these and many other things happened that are not written in this book. Yeah. And it's the constant criticism of people who say, if it's not in scriptures, then it's not apostolic. Right. But the, these men, Methodius of Patara, Sarah of Jerusalem, Gregory, the theologian and Filiocus of Iconium, Gregory of Nyssa and John Chrysostom all mention these, this feast day in homilies, all of them. Yeah, and 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 in surveying that body of evidence, a very holy and learned, perhaps one of the most learned popes of all time, Pope Benedict the Fourteenth, very firmly made the case that this is an ap- apostolic feast. Mm-hmm. So this is a feast that, for sure, predates the Bible, the writing and compiling of the Bible, and uh, long predates um, any Protestant heresies. Okay, the sixth. Secret of Candlemas, six secret. We've we've gone one through five. We're halfway through. Number six is with regards to the liturgical calendar. So in the old calendar, before the calendar was changed in the 1960s, this feast was celebrated February 2nd, and it was called the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm. Today, that feast, the Feast of the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, is celebrated for some reason that I cannot fathom on January 1st, New Year. It's the, what is that, the sixth or seventh day of Christmas? It's 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 not even, uh, maybe it's the eighth day. It's the octave of Christmas, perhaps. Uh, but you look at it and you say, well, it's not 40 days after. It has nothing to do with the, with the purification of Our Lady. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's called that. So it's a very confusing thing. Yeah, no, no, the, and it, it's almost... We talk about not wanting to take away uh, from from Christ, you know, Christ's uh, mysteries and Christ's occur- occurrences and whatnot. And it's like, okay, what happened to the circumcision? Yeah, th- th- this is a sig- this is a very very significant feast day, and all of a sudden now we're just going to replace that, just wipe it out. Oh. Well, we don't want to talk about that, yeah. the circumcision, right? Weird. But the circumcision of our Lord, which is in the old calendar on January 1st and was a holy day of obligation, um, and it was so for a number of reasons. Lots of things happened on that day. First of all, um, our Lord was, in fact, circumcised, which meant that he spilled blood. It was the first drop of blood that he would end up shedding mm. for our salvation. And secondly, as was the Jewish custom, that was the day upon which he was named he received the name Jesus, which was given to Our Lady at the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. So up until that point, he wasn't officially named. Mm-hmm. True. You would think that the naming of our Lord and that the shedding of his blood would be a pretty significant feast. 
Yeah. But that has hence, hence been erased. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, which if you know the reason or can defend it, please leave a comment. Why January 1st is the purification of Our Lady? No idea. Okay, number seven. Blessing of candles. Love number seven. This is where we get the word candlemas, right? So again, like so many different feast days that we have, and we 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 say it and not even think about it, but these are all used to be hyphenated names, right? Until in in the language they've been squished squished together, right? But this is candle mass, the mass of the candles, like Christmas is. Mass of Christmas, Michaelmas is St. Michael's Mass. I mean, the, the, these these hyphenated names, they used to be hyphenated. This is what they were called. It wasn't just this kind of one word that has not a, an apparent meaning to it, shall we say. Indeed. This is the day on which your candles for your family can be blessed, and many of the candles in the church that are used in the liturgy are blessed this is one of three principal blessings during the year. The great Dom Garam J, the great the greatest liturgist of all time, the author of the expansive The Liturgical Year, which everybody should own. He says there are three principal blessings during the year of objects: ashes, palms, and candles. The blessing of candles. Everybody knows about ashes and palms. Who knew about the blessing of candles? Yeah. I it's funny because it's the liturgical year, right? And it feels like there's never enough time to do everything that it is that we do as Catholics. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's like, like a full time job. Yeah, it's a full time job. I mean, seriously, I mean, it, you know, it, the, the first Fridays, first Saturdays, a blessing of the, these are uh, the candles, the ashes, the, the palms, uh, the, you know, celebrating that the, the crisp, celebrating Christmas, you know, penitential time of Advent and Lent and celebrating Easter. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going because we have so much to be thankful for and to celebrate and to do. Do penance for, yeah. and and this the the, can, the blessing of the candles is very important because these symbolize Christ, which we'll get into. Okay, so what would people do with these candles? So people would actually um, take candles, it, especially at the mass, they would receive a candle, right, and then they would take this candle home, um, and they might put it near their family altar or in a place, uh, in a special place, unlit, right? Okay. And throughout the year, this particular blessed candle, they would light in times of tribulation, whether that be, you know, a horrible storm or a loved one. Think about sailors going out on boats, right? And it's very precarious or whatnot. People at home might say, wow, the storm's really bad outside. I'm going to light a candle, light the candle for our father. Um, If it was, you know, there was a death in the family, right? This might also be used the same candle in uh, during extreme unction uh, when somebody's dying. Wow. This would be used if there was, you know, a quarrel or there was a a, a problem in the family. Yeah, this would yeah. be lit. I would imagine um, that during extreme unction, you would light this candle because the appropriate way to greet a priest when he brings the sacrament to your house is with a lighted candle. And perhaps the superlative way to do that is to use your candlemas candle mm. to do that. Fact, fact. So, uh, the, people would also light other candles um, during that night of candlemas. They would light them in their windows, and so you would go into a town, and this town would be lit up with candles. You go to 
um, at least old time Rome, and I had the privilege of some of seeing some instances of this where they would light up. There would be hundreds and hundreds of candles that would be lit. They would have a candle lit mass uh, for mm. the entirety of the mass. It was just oh, gorgeous. Wow. If you ever, if you ever have not seen a mass by candlelight, you should go try to find one because it is an experience unlike any other. Oh, they can be found. Um, they can be found. Okay. Now, moving into a little bit of controversy, which hmm. we sometimes enjoy delving into here at Briefly. Restoring the Faith. <laughs> um, there are two potential pre-baptized, shall we say, pagan origins of Candlemas both of which are Roman. So uh, everything that the Romans did in their pagan days is a little sketchy, and both of these qualify under that umbrella of super sketchy. So the first one is that in the uh, month of February, usually about mid-month, they would have this feast called Lupercalia. Mm. And in the Feast of Lupercalia, it was all about fertility. So you can imagine the debauchery that mm. that entailed, the carnal mm. debauchery with respect to fertility. The other Roman uh, feast that they celebrated around this time of year was called Amberbalia. And Amberbalia was the Roman feast in with which involved torches. So that's, that's uh, where some uh, historians, church historians mm. from the 7th century have said that Candlemas was extremely potent as a weapon to to decimate these two pagan mm. feasts mm-hmm. because with Amberbalia it was all about the honor of the Roman god Ceres mm. and um, so and they would process up a mountainside with these torches and and this stuff was still going on after Constantine mm-hmm. and so it took some time to finally wipe this stuff out and Candlemas did wipe these things out sanctifying the world this is what the church does goes around and it will uh, replace things that could, pre- could previously existed. We, we did another show, obviously, about this with regards to... Um, huh, I'm going to forget about it. Uh, we, did, we did a show where we uh, dispelled the fact that, uh, that December 25th was just put on December 25th. Christmas Day was put on December 25th. Oh, right. Just because there are some things that are actually... The day, and then there are other times when there are significant reasons to replace days, yeah, to sanctify them, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and this is an example of when it is the actual day, because if you start from the premise that December 25th was the actual day of our Lord entering into time yep. and becoming man and being born, then 40 days thereafter is February 2nd. Yeah. That is the that is the ritual Jewish period of purification. And the math all works, so don't even go there. Don't even <laughs> don't even do the math. Okay, just just take our word for it. <laughs> okay, number nine, number nine. The what, Joe? We've been talking about candles now for like half an hour, but we haven't really described the significance of candles. Candles play such an important liturgical and spiritual and symbolic role in the life of a Christian. What is the importance of a candle? So. Like like you say, there are candles all throughout Catholicism in our liturgy and everything that it is that we do, right? I mean, everything that we do as Catholics, somehow it seems that candles are in there, somehow. We have we have the Easter candle, we have baptismal candles, we have sanctuary candles, we have candles at Mass, we have candles in front of statues, we have 
candles that are for when people are dying. We have people. Uh, we have candles when there are processions. When you know, even like you mentioned, when there's a when when a priest is bringing the blessed sacrament, you meet him at the door with a candle. I mean, candle, 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 candle. This all comes originally from Scripture, right? This concept of the fire burning, right? And Christ is the fire. Um, but at the beginning, and even at Genesis, we're here in the, the chapter one of Genesis. Christ, our God says, fiat lux, let there be light. And there was light. This is one of the most important concepts that we as Christians and as the Jews prior to us held in the highest regard, the concept of light, which we preserve by a candle. Mm, and he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. Chapter one of St. John's Gospel, the which we also refer to as the last gospel, uh, he says, in him was the life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Mm. The light is is this freedom from the darkness, right? Darkness doesn't exist on its own. Darkness is just an absence of something. But the light does free from us because the light is the existence. It is the beingness. It is the isness of God. And this is what we are supposed to preserve by by candles. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> it is. No, it is. Um, and 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 what you've uh ref- what you've accomplished so far, and I think you have a couple more examples here, is demonstrating that Christ is the symbol of light in the first chapter of John. Mm-hmm. When he says that the that the darkness did not even comprehend it, he's talking about Christ coming into the world and the darkness of the world not even understanding what had just happened. That is the literal story of Christ's life. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even the God, even the apostles. I mean, how many times does it say in scriptures, right? When we and and to all the the credit of the apostles, and I think I've said this before, but sometimes when you read the gospel, you're just like, wow, the apostles were pretty dumb, right? I mean, like they weren't they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. Of course, it's easy to say that hindsight 2020 when you have this man who said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm God. And like you've said in the past, uh, you're going to have to eat me. I mean, like, yeah. and, and, and it, it, <laughs> gospel constantly is saying, and they did and they did not under the words, understand the words which he spoke to them. And you're just like, yeah, OK, I guess I wouldn't have gotten that either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But literally, nobody understood. Like the the even even when at Christ's resurrection after he had died and he'd been in a tomb for three days, and you you have these Romans guarding this this tomb, and they're like, "Why the heck are we still here?" Because of some carpenter, and then all of a sudden the carpenter comes out of the tomb, and it's just the light coming out of the tomb, and they fall back, and they're just like, uh, "I don't know what just happened." Saint Anselm uh, talks about the candles. And he says, you have to consider the three aspects of the candle. You have to consider the wax, you have to consider the flame, and you have to consider the wick. So when you consider the wax, the wax is the virginal fruit of bees, and that can be akin to the virginal flesh of our Lord. He received his flesh from a holy virgin, Mm. and his flesh was likewise virginal insofar as he was totally free of sin. Mm. Um, when you consider the wick, the wick is inside of the candle. It is the core, the heart of the candle. And so that would be the soul of Christ. Mm. 
Um, so he has his flesh, he has his soul, but he also has his divinity, and that is the dancing flame. That is the flame of the candle. So the candle has mm. long served, uh, according to a doctor of the church, St. Anselm, um, as a symbol for Christ. No, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful meditation. And when we... Um, when we light candles, right? I mean, often we we know to light candles because oh, there are other people and there are beautiful little old ladies who are still lighting candles. And you're like, hmm, maybe I should go put a dollar in and I should, you know, buy a candle so that I can light it. But do you really, really understand what it is that we are doing when we light a candle? It it shows our belief in Christ. It's bringing. It should be bringing this concept to mind every single time that we light a candle that this is a signification of Christ's being, of who he is and what he came for. We know how to use the how to use candles in the in in the secular realm, right? You every every woman, what woman does not like a candlelit dinner? Oh, right? Good point. I mean, th- this shows our love and fidelity to somebody by doing this. This is carried on. We know this from a secular level. So when we light a candle in front of the you know statue of Christ uh, which was representing Christ bringing that image to ourselves to put us in the place of heaven and light that candle that's what we're doing mm-hmm. that's what we're doing we're showing our love and fidelity to him one more note on these candles um it would be i think a good idea if you were to have your candles blessed by a priest that they be beeswax candles Yes, actual beeswax candles. It's a very important point. None of these soy candles or 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 any non actual beeswax candles. A little more expensive to get them real. Mm. Um but there are some significant reasons that you may want to do that. And if you know to what I am alluding, add a comment. <laughs> Why did Mike say that you have to have beeswax candles blessed in your house and why is it good to have a nice inventory? Of those. Yeah. If you know the answer, comment below. Maybe there's a hint out there in Padre Pio. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You've already... Yeah, that's a breadcrumb. You gave him a breadcrumb. Okay, number 10. There were 10 secrets of Candlemas. Candlemas separate, uh, is a feast which is celebrated on the 2nd of February. And the 10th secret are some of the various cultural traditions which have been observed and continue to be observed around the world, particularly in non-English-speaking Catholicism. Dang it, you stole my thunder. I was going to actually like say, so the first place is America. Oh, wait. No. No, no, no. This is not, we don't take this very seriously here. And we should. And we should. We really should. And I'm sure that once upon a time that we used to, to a certain extent, but not like these places. So in uh, in France, uh, there is celebrated in the churches. It is con- also Candlemas is considered also the day of the crepes. Okay, I'm sold. Yeah, I want crepes. <laughs> I want crepes. I love crepes. But it, the, the tribute, uh, uh, the tradition is attributed to a custom uh, of Pope. Uh, Gelasius the first who had pancakes or crepes in this case which they would have been uh, to distributed to the pilgrims of Rome so when 
the pilgrims came for the closing of Christmas, these pilgrims would come, they would come into the gates and they would be greeted by Catholics offering them these crepes. So this is a, um, a beautiful tradition that uh, is still maintained in some places in the world. Um, in Luxembourg, uh, we have the, uh, cr- the tradition of the Luxembourgish uh, Lichmistag uh, Candlemas is a holiday centered around the children. And there might be some familiarity that uh, pe- we might have with the, the the broad custom of this, but these children go around singing all these carols on the last day of Christmas. Let me guess. These kids go door to door, knock on the door, sing a carol, and get a treat. Exactly. Interesting. No trick. No trick, just treat. <laughs> just treat. Wow. Okay. Very controversial when we took a position against Halloween and in favor of All Hallowed Eve. Thank you for saying that and in favor of because I don't think that the people who didn't like that show really ever got that point. No. Well, they stopped listening after 10 minutes, but uh, <laughs> we. Ha- so it seems like we have more All Hallowed Eve type trick-or-treating activities within the church than to without. choose from yes. than this uh, horrible pagan October ritual. Okay, wow. Okay, Luxembourg, well done. Okay, um, what about the Latins? So off the coast of Spain is the are the Canary Islands. Okay. These are beautiful, beautiful islands. I have always wanted to go to these islands. Um, and so it, it's like actually I think on the same latitude as the northern tip of Africa, right? So, I mean, it's off the coast of Spain, but it's kind of out there um, in the Atlantic. That's what it's called. Um, that big ocean? Yeah, that big blue wet thing. Uh, <laughs> anyways, they celebrate uh, Nostra Señora de Candelaria. Ooh. And this image of Our Lady is celebrated specifically on the Feast of Candlemas when these uh, two men found this statue of Our Lady on the beach that had washed ashore, and it was on Candlemas Day. And so they remember her coming to Tenerife. This is what the Aborigines, like the the local natives, celebrate because this statue washed ashore, and they're like, and it's Candlemas. And this is the day. So when they actually landed there, they corroborated the, the day that it was. And they were like, oh, that's Candlemas. And so you're going to take this statue and you're going to celebrate this on Candlemas with great pomp. You should check out some of the pictures. Very, wow. very beautiful. Wow. That is super interesting, particularly because the Feast of Candlemas is the purification of Our Lady. There's a huge connection to Our Lady. Uh, We're probably missing some cultural traditions from around the world. If you are aware of any of these, if we've missed you out in Ireland or Eastern Europe or wherever you're listening to the show, Madagascar, comment, comment, comment. We want to hear from you. We want to know what are your Candlemas traditions. It's been a pleasure doing this show with you, Joe. Absolutely. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. It's been real fun. (laughs) 
<laughs> but this is one of those lost feasts that if we don't take back, if we don't take it seriously, if we don't restore the significance of these feasts, then they'll be lost to history. So you've just heard 10 secrets of the Feast of Candlemas. Continue singing your Christmas carols, keep your Christmas tree up, and keep the holiday going until February 2nd. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com